Hello everybody and welcome to Therapy on the Edge and we are changing perspectives and we've got a wonderful guest today to help us look at something different or perspective-wise. Couldn't get that out. Um, Andy, how are you feeling? Are you excited? Yeah, absolutely. I loved our first episode last time um, and I feel like this was going to be an even better episode and I just can't wait to get stuck right in. Um, so let's do it, shall we? Go on then. Hello, Beamer Loxley. Welcome. Thank you for joining us um, on the podcast today. Um, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Just had a really lovely day out in the sun. So yeah, good. How are you? Really, really well, thank you. Yeah, we're both chuffed, aren't we, Mans, to have you have you here today? Um, yeah. So, so starting us off today, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are, what you do, um, just for our listeners to, to know your your background and things? Yeah. So my name's Bima. I am a sex and relationship therapist. I'm also a sex educator and a bereavement volunteer for Group Cruise. And yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> that's not much else to say. That's <laughs> well, that's a lovely, concise uh, uh, introduction. Yeah. Hello. It, 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 it sounds fascinating. Um, sex therapy. Um, mm. Are you are you able to kind of give us in a nutshell um, what what, that, <laughs> what what it means to be a sex therapist? What yeah, it is you're looking at? As concise as my intro, uh, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I would help people all things sex and relationships. So sex could be something like sexual function problems or pain. You could like anything to do with genitals or not. And then uh, relationship side would be like I would work with couples or throuples or follicles, however big they get. Uh, conflict management or just general relationship check-ins uh opening up relationships infidelity it's it's everything it also includes trauma uh gender uh questioning sexuality questioning it's it's quite a vast range but it's not general counseling I'll tell you that it's, it's not like I wouldn't go deep into someone who has depression though a lot of my clients do have anxiety <laughs> don't we all uh, absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> So you say people come to you for all sorts of things, sex related, genital related, um, mm-hmm. relationship related. Um, so when people come to you, is it always in a couple? Do people come as individuals? Um, you know, do some people just come as individuals because they think, well, you know, they, they don't they want to bring their couple? How does it work? Yeah, no, I the majority of people I see are individuals, um, whether in a relationship or not. And I think it can actually be really good work one-on-one because we cannot better ourselves. Uh, Hold on, that's how how do I say it? Like the best way to better ourselves, be it sexually or not, is on our own and sort of figuring ourselves out so that we can then bring it and translate it into a relationship. Couples work, usually they don't bring themselves. They will, obviously they're individual human beings, but they more like want how to help the relationship as as if the relationship itself were the client um but it all varies but yeah it's so totally normal that individuals will come and I would urge individuals to come because it's one of the greatest places to learn about yourself that you can then sort of <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought. no I, I I guess what you're saying I think what you say what it sounds like you're saying is that 
you know, like in any kind of therapy, I suppose, mm-hmm. working on an individual then opens that individual to up emotionally, intellectually, yeah. uh, you know, to other things. So it makes a lot of sense for an individual to come in and then to work as a couple. Not that that's what you're saying is that that's not has to be the case, but yeah. um, that that makes sense for it to be worked like that. Uh, you know, yeah. get it, I guess. <laughs> also, you know, when you have people who are in a couple but usually they're fine as they are in the relationship it's more something personal to do with them and if some like someone's got erectile problems it doesn't take the other partner to help them so it's just not necessary even if it is impacting the relationship itself well that's that's really interesting and um what sort of age group of people do you do you look at is it just, is it older people? Is it a mixed age group that you deal with? You know, I'm sure you're open to dealing with all ages, but what's 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 the patterns, I would ask? Yeah, the patterns. Well, yeah, I would go 16 to however old you want to be. <laughs> like yeah. 100 if you want. Um, but yeah, the patterns for me, my demographic was probably like around 30. It's probably more close to my age, actually. Um I have had older people and I've had younger people, but yeah, I don't, maybe I just attract younger folk, um, mm. which I don't mind. I find, I find it a really fascinating thing. Um, but, 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 but being British, I imagine um, some people might find it quite awkward. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm maybe including myself in there a little bit, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> how do, how do, you, do you find that with clients who come to you or clients kind of very open to kind of, you know, um, discussing their, their, their intimate sex lives with you? Yeah, surprisingly, I haven't really had a problem with it because, you know, when we say in therapy, like being there is the first step, the greatest step that you can take. I think once they've done that, or if they even signed up to sex therapy, it's kind of like that's out the window. We don't, can't have too much embarrassment. And I'm really quite open with how I talk without being too overwhelming. And like, I'll just like right now, I'll like whack out my clitoris, which is not my own. It's just a 3D print. <laughs> And I'll just like, you know, test the waters with that and just be like, are you comfortable? But yeah, I've had a few people would take longer to or very subtle or nuanced with what they're saying. And I have to sort of be like, can you actually spell that out to me? Because unless you tell me exactly what you're doing, I can't help. Um, But yeah, funnily enough, it's not actually been as big of a problem as I would expect or anyone would expect in Britain. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really funny how something so natural um, can be so kind of, uh, and I know you've not, I know you've not had sort of those, those concerns sort of clients, but in general, how kind of taboo something so natural uh, can be. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of, kind of what I wanted to ask was how, you know, how other people perceive you or how, what's your experiences with, you know, friends, family, people you know people you know ask you what you do you say you're a sex therapist perfectly normal and natural but I imagine that causes a bit of um um like a bit like Andy said a bit of awkwardness depending mm. on their level of understanding yeah well that's it. it's level I think it's, it's uh, ignorance to it or not uh within my family I think because it's been such a long journey um it's just like any other job um mm. random people who I tell they're usually really interested and then I like that. I think, yes, here's like a great time to like help a random stranger on the street. I wouldn't therap them (laughs) because I have like the sex education side of things. It's quite easy to sort of be like, yeah, you could do this or that. Um, But yeah, I've never had like 
a really bad reaction, fortunately. I wonder why um, I've been so lucky with that. <laughs> and with the education, hmm. is that something you do? You say, you say you work with 16-year-olds. Is that including the education side of it? Or do you work with children, teenagers younger than 16 on no, the education sorry. side? Yeah, the education is more... Like I, I did a course for it and then I, I think COVID happened <laughs> and I was like, I don't really actually want to go into schools. Uh, so I have an Instagram page where I just post for free. Like that would be my style of education. And then I obviously, I work within a company where I would do education online for anyone um, of any mm -hmm. age. But yeah, 16 year olds um, plus is, is not education, it's therapy based. Right. So it would be amazing. But I have plenty of friends who are in sex education and do a good enough job that I don't think I need to sort of take up their space. <laughs> so um, so were you? how did you start out as being mm. a sex therapist? Did you sort of start out on the normal route, go down being a therapist, or did you go straight into it? What, 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 how did yeah. that work? I, I think other therapists will hate me for this, but I went straight into sex therapy, which is why I can't do general therapy. Um, like we learn about psychopathology in general and obviously mm -hmm. clients have depression anxiety so I have to be able to spot that but if someone came with something more general and more serious I would refer on but yeah so um it was basically a three-year thing I did a foundation course which was general therapy and then a two-year diploma in sex therapy and then I'm currently studying a master's in relationship therapy but that's so I can go to Canada and practice out there because their requirements are a bit different but basically just one day I was listening to a podcast about sex and I was like hmm can I do this <laughs> but I didn't want to do a podcast and I, I didn't know like what I could do I thought should I just work for love honey but then I was like I don't want to do admin all my life and then traveled to Canada took some time off started looking into what apart from being a sex worker <laughs> and I didn't want to do that <laughs> uh, and I looked into coaching but I was like is it like as official which it is of course but I just I thought maybe therapy and I didn't think I'd be a good therapist because I'm really quite blunt and sarcastic <laughs> as a human being uh but actually it turns out I can sort of use that <laughs> it works I think it's really important to, to have that authenticity isn't it so mm. kind of bringing yeah. yourself into the room so so having yeah. just being yourself is a wonderful thing I suppose um yeah and I'm I thought I had to be Carl Rogers <laughs> I thought I had to just be this really lovely quiet person but actually sex therapy is very directive and it's homework based and it's me and my clients love it like I've got a blue fringe and they you know they don't care I think that's probably why I attract people similar to me because they just get what they're asked for and yeah, well, I love person-centred and I use it as well, but, like, I'm not that person. <laughs> so so what would be really helpful, I, I, I suppose, is kind of um, asking about misconceptions of mm -hmm. sex, because like, I imagine that's that's kind of um, something you come across quite mm -hmm. often, different misconceptions, whether that's in your clients or the, or the wider... Mm -hmm the wider space what what are the yeah. sort of the, the main the main ones that you that you kind of come up against on your day-to-day -day? yeah uh I, I would say client base and wider base the other day I got a dick pic from a potential client which was really not fun uh and I had to block them and email them firmly saying by the way this is soon to be illegal uh <laughs> then they didn't reply so that was I had that that was fun um not and then yeah other people would 
assume I think that I I don't want people to assume that I touch my clients but I think people think that which obviously in the UK is completely just not right um and most of the rest of the world so yeah it's that kind of oh what do you do like do you teach them how to have sex do you all do all these sort of things as if I'm not a therapist uh they sort of hear the word sex and then ignore the word relationship and ignore the word therapist and so where your mind goes other people's minds have probably been (laughs) so I like to correct them on that though it's quite tell them off absolutely I I remember watching a program on I think it was channel four channel five a few years ago I mean a good few years ago it's going back about 10 years ago and there was a lady in America and she had a real um she was doing what she called sex therapy Mm. and um you know, she was in a room with clients and she had removed her clothes and various things. And um, I, I straight away, I thought, well, that's just bizarre. I mean, you know, surely that can't be right, you know. And then I did a little bit of reading up on it. And yeah, generally that was like very taboo. And the fact that it was on a well, sure. on the television, you know, yeah. it was quite like, well, you know, how, you know, how is how she getting away with this? <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but so I guess that's my perception that stuck in my head I mean it was 10 years ago I watched it you know um and it's really so when um a- Andy said that we had somebody on the show that uh, could do was, was a sex therapist that straight away funny I had these flashbacks of this yeah. 70 year old woman naked in front of a sofa <laughs> with two people and it was just a bit I thought well this will be interesting <laughs> but, no, I, I had I had read up on it a little bit so um yeah. well, so, that's so, if your opinion was created and stuck like that for 10 years and there is no education even on general therapy of like what it is right people come to therapy and they expect one thing and you're like mm, it's a little, little bit harder than that um then yeah how do we know otherwise and I think that person there you're talking about is probably more like a sexual sexual I can't even say it, sexological body worker maybe uh and again America <clears throat> a little bit different I know in LA that you can touch your clients and I can understand why for example sex surrogates can be really useful but to mix therapy and touch there's just a different kind of boundary bias creates even if you don't think that you're creating one it's mm-hmm. it's just I mean I understand why some people might find it really helpful like if you're having erectile problems and you need someone to touch you to help you or you're you have a disability and you want someone to help you but then sex workers for that um which is amazing but to mix therapy and sex yeah I don't know I'm taught not to do it and I don't want to do it and most people (laughs) think we shouldn't do it therefore I just think yeah let's not do it (laughs) (laughs) no it really starts me the whole the, the boundary part because I know as a, a general therapist myself, sometimes I, I find those conversations when you have to kind of put things back in line can be a little bit mm. uncomfortable for me. Not not for every counselor, but for me that can be a little bit. I mean, sending unsolicited dick pics to to you, um, that's a huge boundary crossing. I mean, how comfortable how comfortable do you feel in kind of you know hold, holding your own, holding the boundaries? Um, mm. Uh, as, as yeah. you said earlier on how do you find that um I think I'm getting better at it um for example because I have an Instagram page people would just message me randomly and be like I need your help and they wouldn't even say hi and I used to want to help them uh but then I was like nah <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this and it is just it's just rude like I don't know why people think that someone has the word sex in their page or something they can just suddenly start talking to them I don't know if general therapists get this like can you help me I'm not going to pay you kind of Mm -hmm. 
thing. Um, but it, yeah, it's as if I've become sexualized or dehumanized. And I think a lot of mm. professionals do in this sort of like field. Um, but yeah, my boundaries have gotten better. Um, it's in my contract. <laughs> this is talking therapy, no removing of clothes. And if it happened, I would just like obviously completely terminate. And it hasn't happened, fortunately. And when it did with that picture, I just blocked the person and sent a firm email. Um, but yeah, I hope that in the future, I just get better and better at just sort of holding my boundaries. But so far, so good. Absolutely. I find on, on a personal level as well, I find the more I have to, the, mm. the easier it becomes. So I imagine you, you, <laughs> might, you might face it a bit more, maybe, I don't know. But, but yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I don't want to go too far off, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to throw in a curveball here, I, and it might not be, you know, but I, I'm curious about, I, I have a lot of clients who get kind of things like unsolicited dick pics, or who have mm -hmm. sent unsolicited dick pics, you know, um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm hearing a lot more in sessions about um, um, awareness of this, because I know obviously it is becoming more, you know, um, I, I'm curious on kind of your views on the way that society is going towards kind of, you um, um, in these sort of areas, you know, and kind of being tougher on on our responses to, to these yeah. sort of behaviours? Like, yeah, well, I mean, the fact that it's becoming illegal and harassment, for example, like catcalling is becoming illegal, hopefully soon. I was just on the tube and I saw um, a sign and it said staring. And then in small print, it was like, if you see or you are sexually staring at someone and making someone comfortable, this is sexual harassment. And I thought that was amazing that it is more out there but then I've only seen that sign once <laughs> and I go on the tube like often enough so I think it's getting better um but it's still not good enough uh, because people just think that they have a right to just send these pictures or call out on the street and it's very normalized I think I've probably as when I was younger wolf whistled a lad on the street myself <laughs> so you know we're not all perfect and innocent but um yeah, to that, it starts from day dot, like when you're born, it's about teaching, uh, not how not to be raped, but like how not to rape, basically, and how not to abuse. Um, and yeah, I just think the things you hear in the media is still atrocious. Uh, so it's like, it's good, but it's, it's still could do a lot better. Absolutely. And, and, and you'll, you'll probably have better expertise than me, but I know there's things like, obviously, like, um, victim shaming and things as well yeah, um what, what's your thoughts around around that area you know and kind yeah. of are, do you see kind of progress in that area do you think we're kind of moving in the right area the, the right direction sorry um I don't know if I see it because uh I don't surround myself with um a, people who have been abused it's not something like I've is my forte in therapy although I do cover a lot of sexual trauma whether I ask for it or not um like my opinion is if someone has said that they've been raped or abused, then I believe them. I'd rather believe the victim or the survivor than the person who is, the, you know, doing the abusing. But I, I, yeah, I guess actually just online you hear that people will believe the other person, the potential perpetrator, because God forbid they are named a rapist for the rest of their lives and their lives are ruined. <laughs> And, you know, it, I think, you know, like, let's think about Sarah Everard, who was walking down the street, just um, walking down the street, wearing normal clothes. And it's that highlighting that it's not what you wear. It's it's not mm. at the not time of night. It's it's not nothing to do with the woman. It's to do with the person chasing the woman. But I surround myself with people and Instagram pages, for example, who believe that 
whereas I know there's a lot of people who probably don't and maybe I'm ignorant to the fact that people are still bad people out there so I don't know I try and there's so much going on in the world I don't want to like surround myself with oh you wouldn't want to live would you (laughs) absolutely absolutely and I just and you might not know because obviously as you said it's not really your kind of area you know but but then there's the, the other side as well of kind of people being alleged for kind of uh crimes that they've not committed you know what's your view around there if you don't mind me asking and again if it's not your your area you know please feel free to say you know um, like in what way what's your so so so, so there are uh, there are stories of people claiming um um rape and things um mm-hmm. and it turns out that that's not the case or or, or it, it comes out that yes. it, it potentially was not the case uh, yeah. And, and I appreciate what you said about kind of listening to, you know, if someone says that they've been abused, it's kind of, you know, yeah. let, let's believe it, you know, uh, and give them the support they need. Uh, but if it was the other way around, like kind of what, what's, your, what's your views then? Yeah, obviously there are some people who cry rape uh, and it hasn't been the case. Um, but it's kind of like I'd still rather believe them because if you take that survey that was taken recently, that 90%, 97%, sorry, percent, of women have been abused at some point in their life. Um, I would still rather believe that mentality over like the perpetrator. So it's so difficult and it's so nuanced though. And you know, it's not happened personally to me or people like people I know that where there's that kind of like, did it did it really happen? Uh, so, so yeah, it's really difficult, but it's it's so dangerous to even step out, sometimes not stepping over the line and just saying, I'm still going to give this person the benefit of the doubt because it is more damaging than to be named an abuser. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult. And yeah, again, not my forte, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I put you on the spot though. I'm, I'm very yeah, well, <laughs> but, but I suppose coming back more, more to, to what you said about mm. the, the numbers are so high. I mean, yes. being, being a white male, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> aware that I have this, this privilege, you know, you know, mm. that I'd be born into. Um, uh, and I'm very aware of that actually in, in this society, you know, um, it's great that actually I'm aware of it as well, mm. you know, cause I think many generations for me weren't, you know, and I'm glad that it's in my forefront, but what high numbers, 97% of females, um, have been, what, what was the, what was the actual phrase? I believe abused or raped or something that is sexual harassment sexual harassment and catcalling things that would fall into that i imagine i wonder actually i can't remember specifically yeah yeah yeah. something that's not nice (laughs) yeah yeah no it's surprising the figures absolutely it's madness and then then there's that hashtag that says not all men and it's like well if it's all women and it's not all men no we know that like it's definitely not all men but it's enough men to create the fear Uh, so it's just such a topic though that gets very heated and people seem to want to defend themselves rather than just listening and sort of accepting that it starts with a joke and a joke can grow and a joke turns into something else and yeah I, I, I'm sure it is very divisive isn't it but I, but I really appreciate yeah. your kind of open and honest um views on that so thank you so much I know I did put you on the spot a bit so thank you that's fine that's <laughs> don't mind it's been it's, you know so far so really interesting you know it's really intrigued me and actually I'm really sort of slowly forgetting my images of um an eight an year old woman naked in a room um <laughs> <laughs> so that's good <laughs> now you know heard of sex therapy I've I've read different things about it I know it exists I mean I've had clients 
who've called me and I've had to refer them on to a sex therapist um, because it's not my area of expertise. Um, I do get a lot of referrals from other therapists or, or do or, or therapists quite keen to hand people, clients over to you and, or, um, and vice versa. Do you get people that contact you with generalized therapy and do you find yourself having to refer them on or um, how does it work? Yeah, um, like, well, you found me on the Facebook group. We found each other. So mm-hmm. I think I get, I, well, the thing is I get referrals through or I get people on my website and I don't know where they come from. <laughs> but I'm sure some of them do come from like therapists on the group, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think someone came through the other day and said like, I found your, I, they must have found COSRAT, which is the accreditation body on the NHS mm. website. So they must have come from general therapy, possibly. Uh, the other way around, not so far, just because I think it's quite obvious what I do. Um, mm-hmm. And it depends how deep they suddenly go into something more general and that sways off the topic of sex. And mm-hmm. if my supervisor can like agree if it's too much, but yeah, there would, uh, oh, no, I say that actually, there was one client that we had, we spoke about their issues with sexuality and discovering themselves. It was very quick, but then they had something a little bit more deep that I definitely couldn't do, um, more psychopathology. And so, yeah, that, I think I don't even remember it. So it was like one time. <laughs> right. So, yeah. uh, you mentioned um, sort of gender issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, do people come to you with uh, gender identity issues? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would I would love all my clients to have this uh, mm-hmm. because I'm queer myself, so I'm gender non-conforming. Um, though my pronouns are she, her, just because I can't be bothered to change them to anything else. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I advertise for is queer folk. Um, and I have a few clients who have gender dysphoria and uh, I really connect with them. And I think they really connect with me and look for me because of that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's like, it's a topic that's really close to my heart. And I just, you know, want to help as many people as I can. But the thing is, is that actually a lot of people gender dysphoria are younger. And so I'm not mm-hmm. qualified to like really help under the age of 16. So, but yeah, it's really common. And I hope that as the, this country sorts its shit out, sorry, mm. with the whole conversion therapy issue oh. going on, um, that more of trans folk will feel comfortable about getting help. But of course, conversion therapy is a part of therapy in a way, even though it's not. So it is like, and even like it's 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 bad really, but if you read um the transgender issue by Sean Fay, she says that gender identity clinics shouldn't exist because why do you need to go to a clinic to get affirmed? Uh, it's it's no longer in the DSM five as a disorder, but it's still in the DSM five. And it's like, why can't people just come to therapy to experience their gender and question it, which is what I do is what I offer. I don't like offer anything like extra care, but yeah, it's just a bit of a messy one again <laughs> with all of this. Yeah. But I think it's real necessity, yeah. you know, um, <clears throat> clients, clients that I've worked with that may have um, dual diagnosis um, mm-hmm. sometimes have um gender either dysphoria or identity disorder um and it's a real um difficult 
difficult for them to talk about it with people that don't understand it or yeah. that are oh, that they don't perceive to understand it so you know if they if, if they were just talking to a normal therapist or um if it was part of some other therapy that and it came out it's it's you know real they're very can be um quite shameful about it and um so I think it's such a necessity that people um, can go and find therapy that can help them, you know, because I think um, there's so much, as you say, all, this, all these issues with conversion therapy at the moment. Should we have it? Should we not have it? Um, yeah. I'm just surprised we were revisiting it. Really. I thought we'd, you know, <laughs> we, you know, it had been discussed, I think it was about 12 years ago when I lost, it was kind of like an issue. And, um, you know, there was a firm stance um, amongst British people, amongst different authorities about not having it as a thing. And sort of that was it. And now it's re-emerged again. It just seems like we as a society are supposed to be evolving and moving on and getting past these issues. And yet people are still people are still trying to reinforce it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a bit um yeah, it's a bit mad. So well, that's good to know. Um that that's something you do. Um uh, from from the aspect is, you know, from from a referral aspect, I think that's a great thing to know. I know for a fact, and every test that has been done is that conversion therapy just does not work. It's it's just not something that works. So it's mad that it is being brought up, as you say. But yeah, if there are people to refer on to me, um, because I hope it comes across on my website as well that I'm like such an open, trans, safe space. I even got like um, a a safety pin tattooed onto my hand which is a symbol for like a safe space I was, I was that into it when <laughs> I helped that many people but yeah it's about not pathologizing uh people who have gender dysphoria or just questioning their gender and sexuality but yeah it's weird because it's like for refer on but also why are we not taught as general therapists as well to talk about sex and gender I mean it's great because people in if you have a niche, then it's better because you have more knowledge and stuff and interest, which is great. But it's like going to your doctor and you start talking about sex and they're like, oh, I don't know what to say. It's it's weird mm-hmm. that we don't normalize these normal things that are very human. But hey. Mm. I, I absolutely agree with you there, you know, I, 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 I'm, a lot of our listeners aren't, aren't in the profession, a lot of our listeners, you know, general public, yeah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I'm, I'm just curious, for, for general public people who, you know, want to be supportive, want to be inclusive, just don't quite know about yeah. different, the, the different genders, don't quite know about the pronouns and yeah. probably don't, uh, uh, might not want to cause offence. I mean, yeah. w- what could you kind of, say to them about kind of uh, at least giving it a go and kind of being inclusive and yeah. at least said hello you know and kind of in, in involving themselves yeah. um what, what would be your talk with your your thoughts to them what tips um i would say you know just because someone might look really feminine doesn't mean you could assume that they're a woman uh i hate gender reveal parties because if you think about people who are having babies are showing the pink or blue why is pink or blue defined by gender but also it's I would call it genital reveal parties so it's just like hey here's what's in between my child's legs but of course as a society it's very hard to unwind these sort of stereotypes or traditions that we do what I do is sort of practicing on the street if I don't know someone's gender I just use they them pronouns for just a person and once someone says oh yeah 
this isn't me, I am a woman, or it's just obvious because of how they're talking about themselves. So it's kind of like that, just not assuming, because there probably is someone out there that you wouldn't know on the street is trans, because trans people aren't obvious, they're just other humans, that you could offend someone. And uh, for example, people talk a lot, if they're very inclusive of trans folk, they would talk and say, they would say, people who have babies, people who get pregnant, or people with cervixes, for example, and then a lot of women get really offended because it was like, you're taking away my womanhood. It's like, well, no, actually, I'm just including people who aren't women, but also have babies. It's nothing about women. It's about everyone. And it's sucking up your privilege and not arguing back and saying there are people that exist out there that are not cis and they're against the norm, but they're very common and they're actually very normal. We just have to sort of be a bit more open to our standardized sort of treatment as human beings. From the get-go, we're shown Disney that, you know, what is it? The prince kisses Snow White and she's asleep. And that's just like a complete breach of yeah, consent. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm... there's people out there in America calling trans people and queer people groomers because we're sexualizing their children. And it's like, no. No one's sexualizing children. We're just saying that kids could maybe like people of the same sex or uh, not the gender that they're born with. And it's just ridiculous how these people sort of like harm and make sex. They actually sexualize the kids instead and they sexualize gay people and they sexualize trans people because they don't understand. And it's the ignorance that people sit with, really. And so it's kind of like educate yourself you know suck up mm. your ego suck up your privilege and educate yourself and be like if I was walking down the street and I suddenly assumed someone was cis so you know like they were born a uh, woman and they assigned they assigned female at birth and they're still a woman why is that so hold on let me rephrase that because it's like I'm trying to think of a good example it's like we assume people are just going to be like hetero and in a relationship that two people walking down the street could be heterosexual but why is it that two people walking down the street and they're gay is suddenly a shocker like why is it mm. why 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 is it like I wonder like if you actually looked into your shock what is it like what's the aversion is it because someone told you it was wrong or because you actually believe it was wrong and it's like dig deeper than what we're told as children really I do this, I, I kind of go off subject a little bit sometimes, <laughs> but, but if we look back in kind of different different um, eras in the past, like we look at sort of mm. Greek and Roman Roman times, um, yeah. they have very different views as well, didn't they? I mean, it's, we, we kind of, it, it's later in, in human history that it's kind of, yeah. you know, become more rigid and more in a box, it feels like maybe perhaps. Yes, the binary has been created recently, you know, you've got so many... Uh, cultures out there that have third gender, two spirit, you've got the Hydro in um, India, like all of these things are widely accepted and celebrated. And then, yeah, well, I don't know the history, but you know that like there are definitely men out there having sex with men and totally fine with it. So why is it suddenly a problem now? It's mad. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a very strange thing. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 I'm curious. I, 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 I recently I've been informed about uh, dead naming. Or yeah. uh, are, are you able to kind of give us an explanation of what that is for people who don't know? Um, and also mm -hmm. kind of um, maybe some of the impacts you think that that has if, if people dead name. I mean. The, the dead name, the word in itself should be offensive, and it is. It's, it's basically if you have a trans person and they were born and their parents 
called them one name, but then they sort of realized that their gender identity was different and they wanted to rename themselves. That's something more affirming. So let's say someone was born George. Actually, let's go for me. I was born Georgina. I hated the name. This has nothing to do with my gender, by the way, but it's just, mm-hmm. I was born Georgina. Parents call me Georgina. And then from a very young age, I was like, I became Beamer. And as soon as I hit a correct age, <laughs> I could legally change my name to Beamer. And basically dead naming me with someone going to me, knowing my name was Beamer, knowing I legally changed it or that I chose the name Beamer and calling me Georgina or saying, what was your past name? That's re- I'm really interested. And I would be like, well, that's none of your business and it's not my name. But for trans folk, when that name actually makes them remember traumatic histories or just has them realize that they weren't assigned the correct sex at birth it's it's harming so when they hear let's say I was um, trans and I heard Georgina that could be really harming because it's a dead name the name should remain dead and buried to these people and why is it anyone's business to know about that it's also similar to people saying Oh, what did you look like before? Have you got genital surgery? Have you what have you done X, Y, and Z with your body? I really want to know what you look like before. It's like, why? <laughs> it's weird. And why are you talking about people's genitals <laughs> in such an open way? I, did that make sense the way I explained it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love what you said there as well, because in general, people don't say to me, well, why, why, why is your name Andrew to me? You know, yeah. why, why are you a straight man? No one really says these yeah. things, you know. So it, okay. it's, it, when you put it in that way, it seems mad to then go, yes. well, you know, well, what, you know, what, what, what was your name for? You know, and all these sort of things. It's yeah. mad to kind of ask these questions, absolutely. Yeah, really absolutely. Is. Yeah, and I guess what you're saying, you know, you've been very open explaining your your things to us and um it's kind of like yeah what fascinates me is wh- why people always want to know about whether people you know people are gay or people are trans or non-binary or pan why do it's like it's almost like they want to know the history they want to know oh, what led you there what mm. what changed you know it's almost like they're looking for a change what changed you what was the pinnacle moment and you know there doesn't have to be a change you know if you were born that way then you don't need to you wouldn't have to explain yourself the same as anybody else wouldn't have to explain themselves and it makes so much sense sense what you say um and I guess it goes back to that education of things and um uh, you know people getting an understanding uh, because I think what happens is when people don't understand, that's where the fear comes in. You know, oh, this is different, you know. Um, but asking questions in a non-offensive way, mm. would you say that that's okay? Yeah, it's it's tricky, that one, because, you mm. know, just like during, and it's ongoing, obviously, but, you know, a couple of years back, Black Lives Matter blew up, uh, mm. even though it's already been there for the, the whole of history yeah. but mm-hmm. it was then white people asking black people like how should I do this how should I do that can you help me and actually mm-hmm. it's not really up to the marginalized group mm-hmm. to educate some so obviously of course if you've got a friend like if someone a friend of mine was like Bima, like what does gender non-conforming mean like I could you mm-hmm. maybe help me I would be like sure because that's just me as a personality but I think it's sad that people 
in these communities need to set up their boundaries way more than a person who wouldn't have this, like who sit in privilege. So it's tricky because one, there are people who could say, yeah, like I'm more than happy to answer your questions. And if the questions mm-hmm. were genuinely innocent, but then it's like, mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable with answering questions, then you still have to be uncomfortable by putting your boundaries out there. And so mm-hmm. it's almost like a lose-lose. So for people who are curious, Google, <laughs> Google exists, you know, there are so many pages and uh, videos or a podcast, anything where you can learn something. So why do you need to maybe potentially put someone at risk or harm someone if just because of your curious? And it's not mm-hmm. me saying don't ask trans people about transness, but it's more like, can you maybe ask if this is okay, ask permission before you even mm. ask the actual question, because some people just are not ready for that and are not activists mm. and don't need to be activists. Like just because mm. you're trans doesn't mean you're an activist. You it might does. be at the same time, but it doesn't mean you should be. Yeah. And there's so much literature out there now. It's like, it's not that difficult. That's the thing. Mm. I, I really love what you said there. That's so helpful, you know, for me as well as I think our listeners mm. ask about asking what a wonderful thing. What, what, you know, am I, am I able to ask you a question that might be offensive, but I don't mean it offensively or whatever, yeah. you know, like what, yeah. And they can say yes or no, um, which is, yeah. So thank you. That's a wonderful bit of uh, wonderful thought that I love that. Mm, great. It's, it's what you said makes perfect sense. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's um, interesting to hear it from your perspective as well. So brilliant. Yeah, and I, I I recognize it can be hard. Like when it's it's so sad that these kind of topics are really hard to sort of grasp. But when you do start to grasp them, you sort of realize like it's actually not that hard. So it's kind of just like we have to put a bit of effort into it. And we can't know everything on this planet. There are going to be communities, diversities, every single like corner that you go down. Like, but it's the kind of like if you are interested in something enough to know about it, like just sort of try a little bit harder because, you know, everything's hard. So why not just try a little bit harder so you don't potentially harm someone? But the thing is, is that people don't know that they're harming others. Um, Even I in the past would ask someone a question that I probably shouldn't have asked because I was just genuinely really, really curious. And how would you know not to do that unless someone tells you, but no one's telling us. And it's like this vicious cycle of like, what do I actually do? But yeah, we have to start somewhere, but yeah, it's really hard, really. I was watching today, um, Piers Morgan. He's been really challenging on kind of public TV. And again, going back to what we said earlier on, Amanda, about your your information around um, sex therapists being from telly. Mm. I mean, mm. when you talk about damage being done, those sort of really kind of uh, uh, ab- abrasive opinions, they can be hugely damaging, I would imagine. What, what, what's your thoughts on kind of that being kind of on the telly? Yeah, for well, the masses. I don't know what Piers said, but I probably don't like it already. So he said, just just for, just to so the listeners yeah. all know uh, as well as yourself. He said, um, "If you say that you are a gender, why can't I say that I'm a penguin?" Um, or, or words to that effect. Uh, and and the guest who was on there said, "Because penguins aren't a gender, first of all." Um, um, <laughs> and and, and there, was, there was a bit more than that. Oh, it was a wonderful response. But but I was thinking yeah. this is on kind of mainstream telly. That was um. GMTV, yeah, whatever it is, uh, yeah, and I, I even I thought, and I, I'm not 100 clued up o- o- on this, and I'm absolutely going to do my research after this. As you said, it's not that hard, and I really thank you again because that that's helps me, yeah. you know. Um, but but yeah, that being out there, mm-hmm. what's your kind of thoughts on things like that being? Yeah, it's petrifying. 
um, because people believe him and people love him. Uh, and it's not just him, it's it's all of America. It's mm. it's Boris Johnson sending asylum seekers to uh, that part of Africa. I can't remember the name. Rwanda. Right, that's the one, which is also petrifying because he's he's saying, oh, I'm going to do this thing. It's amazing. Like England can't take people. Yeah, I'm going to send them somewhere that's for queer folk. It's, it's, it's a death sentence pretty much. And people believe it and people love it uh, because they don't want immigrants in the country and they think this is going to be the best thing. Yeah, it's it's mad that there are people. It's so sad that you just keep hearing people like this who have really big voices um, and people listen. And again, I'm stuck in my community. I'm, my partner's telling me, Beamy, you're probably ignorant to all the crap out there um, because I want to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was thinking the other day as well, like... Um, Tom Hanks is dressed as a, in a fat suit to play um, Elvis's manager. I don't know what it is in the new film that's coming out. And I said, "Well, why don't you fire a fat? Why don't you hire a fat person? Because you're." But people think Tom Hanks is this amazing man. He's going to bring in all the money. So let's listen to them because Tom Hanks is like the person we want to go to, and that's it. That's the privilege. And then we listen to that because why would we listen to the minority? And I don't know if that makes sense, like how I'm making that weird segue, but connection. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I, think, I think I'm yeah. with you, absolutely. Yeah. Why not go to, to to the minority and kind of, you know, speak to them yeah. as opposed to kind of using someone privilege to describe it for the minority? When, yeah, well, it's when, like, yeah. why are you asking Piers Morgan to talk exactly. about gender when he is exactly. a cis white man, like who will know nothing about gender and will probably say something negative. And then you know you'll listen to him because he's there and he's interesting and he's, people love to sort of like that sort of side of him. They love to hate him, yet mm. actually it's really damaging. So. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Absolutely. My awkward laughter, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was wonderfully informative and wonderfully um, put. And I think, you know, um, this is one of the things I've enjoyed about this podcast is learning something new for myself as well, you know. So, um, you know, which is partly why we wanted these podcasts to go out is to be give a different perspective on things you know therapy on the edge um you know we're not all doing the same thing and that's wonderful because there's so many different areas we can go into some like you say can overlap yeah um it's really given me a bit of insight and you know onto the work you do and the perception of, of of things from your point of view but also not just from your point of view from from the people you work with and other people that you've been involved with, possibly. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just mad that, as you say, uh, there's so many strange things happening in this world, you know, sending people to wonder, you know, where there's been, where there was not that long ago genocide and, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, sending people from a country where they've um, been abused and under threat of their lives and sending them to a country where they could possibly be be more of a threat just just sounds like like madness to me it doesn't make any sense but a lot of things don't make sense (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um i don't have any more questions i i guess um do you have any questions for us i suppose yeah okay so 
you say that you've learned something, which I it was not my intent to sort of yeah, yeah. <laughs> teach, but I'm glad, like, I love talking about this because, yeah, I, I guess not many, unless you're a Gen Z, uh, not many people actually really talk about all of this stuff. So it's kind of great. But like, I guess for you then to, if you were to have a client then, like who's more like me or who has diversity or wants to talk about sex, like if it wasn't the main topic, but it was like, and you don't want to breach, like break the relationship and refer someone on because it's already a good rapport. Mm-hmm. What would your learning be from this then of, of a client who has sort of a question about something different that you usually cover? Yeah, well, I, I would, for me, it would be to listen to them, you know, mm-hmm. to listen to them, to their perspective of what they're going through. Um mm-hmm you know, and and see if there's any, if there's any work that we could do together. Um, partly if they were happy for me to gain yeah. an understanding of them because something, I, something I've learned and you've kind of reinforced it for me today is that it, it's very easy to, this is a person, never mind a therapist, um, to assume, you know, I, I specialise in, specialize in addiction therapy. It's very easy for me to assume every addict has had a a similar life well that's so untrue because addicts all there's many ways into addiction there's many ways out of addiction and um and that's easy for me because i work with that all the time and i can understand how that works um for things although i'd like to expand my understanding of uh, all things gender related and sometimes I think I do. I realise actually that I need to learn a lot more, which is which is probably what you've taught me. But yes, is to see see how they would like to go go with it forward if they feel comfortable going working along with you know working along with it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's probably the most important thing. And if there's anything I didn't understand, would be to ask them with permission and to perhaps do a bit of reading up, do a bit of research, mm. um, you know, before making assumptions and jumping on to things um, because, you know, why would we do that? <laughs> and I'm actually curious. I know I will ask, ask you the same question, Andrew, but oh, please do. <laughs> about, um, addiction and it just triggered something in my mind that I want to say that um, from a sex therapist's point of view, sex addiction and porn addiction aren't things. And I wonder if you agree with that because we're taught that they're compulsive behaviors, so compulsive sexual behaviors and addiction, it, it doesn't work in the body the same way it does with a substance. And um, if that's something you've ever heard. Absolutely. Um, shopping addiction is another one. You know, people <laughs> still need to shop. People still need to have sex. People still need, you know, and I guess there's a fine line, um, you know, working, for example, having people having substance misuse and a, and a sex addiction, for example. Um, it's about what it it's not so much about okay having loads of sex it's about what that means so if they were having happy having loads of sex and they were comfortable having loads of sex then it wouldn't necessarily be a sex addiction if they were using sex as a way to repress um dealing with all their emotions Mm -hmm. and dealing with reality then it's Mm -hmm. serving the same purpose as 
somebody shooting up heroin in the arm to a degree um, mm-hmm. because it's taking some sort of pain, some, something away that they're finding difficult emotionally to, to express. So um, when um, working through the emotions, the feelings, the behaviour, not necessarily the sexual behaviour, but the behaviours that lead them to sex in yeah. similar yeah. ways, the behaviours that lead them to the substance misuse is the most for my in my experience it's the most useful kind of work because yeah otherwise you, you can very easily get caught up in this well you know oh everybody has sex well of course they do and we're not saying you don't do that but you know it's finding the reasons behind it or more specific than actually them having sex, them having having loads of sex with loads of different people, I guess. And the same with porn. You know, there's nothing wrong with watching porn. It's just when you watch porn and you don't eat and you don't work, and that's all you do. You know, then that's yeah. the problem. You know, same as I suppose I, I can use the similarity between somebody who drinks alcohol. So you might go home every night and have a couple of glasses of wine, and that's quite normal. But if you stop working. Mm-hmm to drink wine every day and stop functioning, stop washing, stop going out, stop seeing people, then that would be problematic. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah. how I see it. Yeah. In, in, in my awareness as well, there's, there's a kind of a chemical hook and the psychological hook, isn't there? And obviously yeah. when people have actually come off the substance, then it's more of a psychological addiction anyway, because physically they haven't got the need for it as they did mm. in the past, you know. Um, uh, so for me, um, in that area, I would think that actually that's where the gaming addiction, sexual addiction is very similar, actually, um, because that's more of a psychological thing, perhaps. You know, I, I'm not I'm not a specialist like you, Amanda, but I, I imagine that's that's in there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because so Silver Nevers, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's super like I think he was on um Channel Four Sex on the Couch or something like that. Um and he's like a really well-known sex therapist and he does specifically he helps people with compulsive sexual behavior. And he, he's got he's got a new book out and he's firm that yes, it happens. And I think it's amazing that your holistic view of it's not the sex, it's not the sex that's the problem or the porn. It, it's it's what it's doing to your life and like what's around it. Um, but he would firmly say that it's not an addiction because if you stopped having sex, you wouldn't have the same symptoms as you maybe withdrew from uh, substance. And that's the sort of and also the the problems I think your work is amazing it sounds how you uh, deal with your clients from just speaking about that sounds perfect um but you know you hear like um people in LA they go to like rehab for sex addiction and then they say oh I raped this girl because uh, I'm a sex addict and actually it's sort of saying no you just did that because you're a bad person and it's removing because people say if so, as soon as something's problematic in their life, they're like, oh, I'm going to blame it on whatever it is. So I'm a porn addict. I'm a sex addict. I'm a cheater because of the X, Y and Z. And I think it's really problematic that people use the word so literally when actually it's it's not that. And it's it's almost like a cop out, isn't it? And um, recognizing that, yeah, it's not just that. It's actually it's your choices. It's what you do around it and how it affects your life. And if you withdraw, would you die? <laughs> kind of thing probably not if you yeah born <laughs> i don't think you would die no you wouldn't but, but and again similarly some drugs you wouldn't die no, if you was drawn from so so i guess um 
but yeah, you know, that's kind of like, as you say, that's a cop out, you know, and, you know, you know, to say, well, yeah, well, I raped somebody because I'm a sex addict, so help me with it and spare me from going from, to jail. I think that's, yeah, yeah that's a very dangerous, <laughs> dangerous route to go down. Um, and I think that, yeah, you know, compulsion, compulsions process addictions as, as opposed to, chemical addictions some of them mm. replicate you know when we look at um the neuroscience of addiction yeah. you know for example without sort of going too down a rabbit hole yeah um, i love neuroscience <laughs> um but um <laughs> when they do neuroimaging of the brain mm. and they look at things like cocaine addiction mm. and sex addiction and, and gambling addiction one's a chemical one's not but they mm. release chemicals in the same area of the brain and they in the, exactly the same area of the brain mm. um which is really interesting and i i'd like to see more done with with regards yeah. to neuro, neuroscience on things like these process addictions because it's, you know just look at eating disorders it's, there's yeah. there's so much work to be done in that area as well yeah. um but yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, no, I like it. It's yeah. opening my eyes a bit. It's nice. Like, here you go, I'm learning. Because mm. you have people who really believe that it's not an addiction, but like, I wonder why. Like, to, mm. I think that their point, though, was that 12 steps doesn't work for sex. But again, their point, they're from a small school. So, and 12 steps does work for other people for sex addiction. It's, it's very, again, it's so subjective, isn't it? It's like no one does the same therapy. You could be a sex therapist, but you, you could be very different to the next one. So it's kind yeah. of like you treat the human and it sounds like that's what you do. You treat the human. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Andy, have you got any more? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I've, I've, just been, I've just been learning this whole time. I'm, so, I'm like a sponge. I'm soaking it all up. Um, I, I suppose, I suppose, just for uh, for the listeners who, who want to know my response to the early question, because um, we went slightly off, you know. But but just, I, I, I suppose from from that question earlier on, um, I, I'm quite transparent and quite authentic I, I'm quite happy to say I don't know if I don't know um and I would go but I'll go look I, I'm quite keen to research so yeah I'll go look you know um I think what you've really kind of showed me today um which really stood out to me it really kind of hit me actually was that what why should you have to tell me <laughs> I kind of it's something I've never really thought before you know I'd say I don't know please tell me no actually that's not good enough you know um so for me that, that's what I, I'm going to go and do my research um mm. So that's, that's what I've taken from today. So, so thank you for that. It was a gift you gave me. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's <laughs> an Easter gift. <laughs> thank you. So, so I'm, I'm aware of time. We haven't really got a great deal of the podcast left. Um, what would be really helpful if you could be? We ask all our guests um, about perspective changes. Obviously, we have a lot of, you know, listeners from the general public and, uh, and we ask all our experts to give us, you know, one perspective shift that might change their lives might, might, might be really transformative for them. Um, have you have you got anything? Uh, can you give me an example? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so when we ask kind of a perspective shift, like something that you've kind of seen in your life or something that you've kind of learned in your life that you think that's helped me or could be very helpful for someone else, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. Mm, golly. Aren't there so many of those moments? It's hard. Give me a second. <laughs> um... Okay, yeah. Uh, so my partner, he's Indian. And um, yeah, it's very similar, this kind of learning that I had 
with regards to gender and sexuality and, and assuming someone is something that is the norm. But um, when I first met him, that we lived next to, uh, and this is really openly, that I was openly racist. Uh, so hate me all you want, but I've changed. <laughs> but basically we had neighbors and they were Indian. And I go, I said, oh, that's a really cute Indian boy over there. And he says to me, Pima, that's just a cute little boy. And um, I was like, oh yeah. And then he said, if, you, if there was a white little kid there, would you say that's a cute little white kid? And I said, no, of course I wouldn't. And that perspective, his perspective of just sort of awakening me to actually his norm is different to my norm and my norm is not the best norm uh, was really eye-opening and it hurts to even say out loud that I did that. Um, but we as humans make mistakes. Uh, most of us are racist because we live in a racist society. Most of us are homophobic because we live in a homophobic society. It's not about that. It's about saying, yeah, I was, therefore what can I do to change? And it's that putting your hands up and saying, I'm not a saint and I'm a therapist and I'm not a saint, I'm a human. And noticing that even your therapist can mess up <laughs> is quite a nice perspective to have because it actually mm. makes them more human and approachable. And yeah, like, why wouldn't you want that instead of like a brick wall speaking to you that doesn't give you anything back? So I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> I think that is a wonderful, wonderful perspective shift. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. I might eat my hat now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, because we haven't got a lot of time left, um, mm. If anyone um, has listened to this and who's really connected with you, would really like to kind of touch base or kind of, you know, want to see what projects you're doing in the future, um, do you have any links or anything you'd like to give now to kind of let people, um, you know, yeah. come, come and connect? Yeah. So if you want me uh, to be your therapist, I would be honoured. Uh, you can find me at www.bimaloxley.com. So that's B-I-M-A-L-O-X-L-E-Y. Um, that's my full name. If you want free sex education, then you can follow me on Instagram at Loxley Sexology. And then at some point in the soon to be future, if you went to lcsrtherapy.com, you will find me running sex education. Uh, it's a membership that you can sign up to and you can get sex ed, but you also get discount on therapy for this other company that I would also be a therapist of. So it's, there's many places that you can go to learn about different things um, or help yourself and you don't necessarily have to pay for all. I think we have that privilege, right, that people pay for therapy, but it's about offering low cost or free help out there too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you and, and I've really learned a lot, so thank you. Yeah, thank you, Bima. It's been amazing. Um, and yeah, it's... Uh, uh, be talking about this for a few days at least <laughs> take care thank you thank you so much take care Bima. thank you thank you for having me wow what an amazing interview that that, that was a man I, I feel like I've learned so much in today's um podcast I feel like my perspectives have been changed um how was it for you man oh yeah it was fantastic I I could have gone on <laughs> um but yeah, definitely for me, my perspective has been changed and language is such an interesting thing, part of what we do. Um, so yeah, I've loved it a lot. Absolutely. I think Bima has been really helpful. Um, I mean, couldn't have anyone better looking at these areas. Um, 
so wonderful podcast um, and I, i'm looking forward to the next one let, let, let's see what the next one brings yeah let's do until next time thank you everyone for joining us we hope you got lots out of it today and um, come and join us next time for more therapy on the edge changing perspectives bye bye